We are on the top of Pegimel Amad Aleph, 83a. So we said, Chola, if a person is sick on Yom Kippur and they need to eat, or they'll be put in, they'll become dangerously ill, so they can eat if they this determined by Bikiim, uh, experts, which Rashi on the Mishnah says refers to doctors. Doctors are what we call today experts on knowing which uh, things a person needs to preserve their health or to prevent themselves from becoming ill. What happens if the sick person says he needs to eat or he'll get worse and he could put himself in danger and the doctor says he doesn't need? We listen to the sick person. My timer, what's the reason? We say a person knows about themselves more things than anybody else, even more than the doctor sometimes. If a person feels they need to eat or they'll become deathly ill, why can't they go by their own logic? Maybe the doctor knows him better than he knows himself. That at least uh, we say that Suffolk Bekuach Nefesh, that if there's a doubt that he might come to harm, so he's allowed to break his fast. So over here, the fact that he himself feels that he needs to, that is enough of a doubt that we allow him to. Rofa Omar Sorak, let's say the doctor says he needs to break the fast. Vichola and the sick person says, No, I don't. He's required to listen to the doctor. I I thought we said he knows himself best, but sometimes when a person is uh, sick and he sees Rashi says Tnuva as he doesn't see clearly, and the doctor can see him better, and the doctor feels he needs to, so in this case he has to listen to the doctor and break the fast. So those are the two teachings of Rabyanai. One that the sick person is believed about himself more than a doctor if he says he needs to eat. And two, if, if the person himself says he doesn't and the doctor says he does, then he also needs to eat. As we said, we don't take any chances with life and death. Uh, Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah called Machino that a person can eat through experts. That implies only through experts. How can Rabbi Yanai say that even he himself can declare he needs to eat or he'll become deathly ill? We see in the Mishnah only experts can determine that. And Alpi Bakim and Alpi Baki Echelo, that's two experts. We're saying you only need one doctor to declare it. So Umar said, really? No. Hakamayaskin, the case is to Omar Losricha. He's saying um, uh, that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't need to eat. Uh, and they're saying that he does. So then you need two experts. So Alpi Baki Losrika Dika Bahade. if there's only one let me just try to get this case. Give me a second. Um, um, yes, yeah, so the case is where the person said he doesn't need to eat. Uh, and so in that case where he said he doesn't, he has to be overruled by two doctors. I, why does he need to list up he bucky, but let him eat if only one doctor? Why does the mission say two? So Morris says, no, the case is a little more complicated. Where one person agrees with him that he doesn't need to eat. So there's him and one doctor say he doesn't, and one he says he does, then he wouldn't have to. It's only when there's two against that doctors say he does, then he has to. Then we said, but uh, we would make him eat if there's two extra, Pshita. 
that's obvious suffix nefashos, uva suffix nefashos lahakol. It's uh, a question of life or death, and we always uh, go lenient, and if there's any doubt, we try to preserve his life. There might be two doctors with him who say he doesn't need. And usually we look at two like a hundred, or a hundred like two, meaning that that's complete testimony. That's when it comes to testimony. But over here, we're trying to evaluate him. And uh, here we do look at the number of people. And I would have said that's only when it comes to estimating the value of something. But over here, it's a question of life or death. And so therefore, we don't take any chances, even if there's, um, uh, if there's a, uh, we would accept what he says together with the doctor. If there's no experts, then we would even go by him. So that implies in the first case um, that he says he needs to eat. So the more next we're really missing a few words to fully explain the Mishnah. This is what it means to, to say. When is the case? That's all when he says he doesn't need that you need the two doctors to say he doesn't. But if he says he does need to eat, if there's not two experts, but there's only one who says he doesn't, then he argues with the doctor we would eat. We would trust him and he would eat. Marbravashi disagrees. If he himself argues and says, I need to eat, even if a hundred doctors say he doesn't. I feel made I low circle days, we listen to him, Shinemar, Levia Deus Morris Nasha. Question is, can he be overruled? At what point do we say he has to accept their opinion? Uh, and not eat. Tanan, where's the question? Didn't we learn he named Shambakiam Akinosalpiatma if there's no experts? Time of the Lakabakiam, that's because there's no experts. But if there are experts, we won't uh, follow his opinion. So how does Rabashi answer that? So how come this is what it means to say? That's if he, he says, I don't need to eat. But if he says, I need to eat, uh, the, uh, and there's no doctors at all, we'll, we'll let him, um, if he says to, he needs to eat, uh, even if he has no experts, we still let him eat. Because he, at the end of the day, knows himself better than anybody else. Okay, new Mishnah. Let's say a person has a disease called bulmus. At, our, at the class today, people were saying it's like low blood sugar. It's a, when a person uh, really needs to eat or he'll get sick, and he loses his eyesight. That's how sick he is. That's how ravenous he is. So he's allowed to eat a filu dvarim tamayim, even non-kosher foods, until he gets his eyesight back. Next, Mishanashukaloshota. A person gets bit by a rabid dog, a crazy dog. And we're concerned that some people die from that. So normally you can't eat non-kosher. But they had a medicine where they took from a dog to cure people from the dog. You can't give him a piece of the liver of that dog. Because it's not proven that that will save his life. He permits it. Because even if there's a, 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 a chance that it'll work, he allows you to use that. He feels that's a proven medicine. Even though a dog is not kosher, he permitted it. But old and additional halacha remasir ben keres taught. A person has a sore throat. Um, sore throats can develop an infection. So we allow him to take medication in a Shabbos. Because there's a danger. Because stopping the fushes. And whenever there's a danger, it pushes off the Shabbos.
If a person fell under the rubble, Suffolk now rubble fell. We don't know if the person was there. Suffolk, he might not even be there. Suffolk, he might have died. He might be alive. He might have died. Suffolk, maybe there's a non-Jew there. Maybe there's a Jew there. We don't know. We're allowed to clear away the rubble to possibly save a life. Matsuchai, if we find him alive, Mefakan, we can keep on clearing. But if he already passed away, we're not allowed to clear away the rubble on Shabbos just to remove the body. Um, How do you know that he's gotten better, that he's eaten enough? The person who had the ravenous sickness and lost his eyesight, the answer is you feed him until until he even gets his taste back. He can tell the difference between good and bad. In other words, it's, it's, uh, he gets his eyesight bad and he can see and he can taste. So Now, what happens if a person is sick and he needs to eat and there's no kosher food available? So, uh, and there's different options. So you try to give him the least problematic food. For example, if the only food available is tevel food, which means food that's untied, or a non-kosher carcass food, you give him the non-kosher carcass. Tevel v'shviyas, tevel in sabbatical year, you give him shviyas. Tevel v'truma, then there's two opinions. Itanya. Malchinoso tevel. We would rather give him a mixture that's not tied. Vein machinoso truma. Don't give him truma, which is kohen food. Then Tema argues. He says truma below tevel. Better give him truma. So what's the argument? We'll explain. Omar Rabba hekad epshebechulin. If you could give him kosher food, kuleamolo poligin misakna. If you can give him regular food, and tie it even on Shabbos, you do it. That's the best situation. Why should he eat something that's not appropriate? Keep pligi, the debate is where it's not possible to do it. Bechulen, uh, it's not possible to find him regular kosher food. So marsavr tevel chamor. It's worse to give him a forbidden mixture that's untied. No, it's worse to give him truma. Truma has the penalty of death. Uh, it's hard to be worse than that. Marsavr, it's death in the hands of heaven, though. And he's doing this by mistake. Mar Savar, Tevel Chamor, Tevel is more strict. Avu Truma, even though it's a very severe penalty, it's edible for a Kohen. So it's not so bad. Umar Savar, Truma Chamor. No, Truma, it's a bigger penalty. Avu Tevel, but Tevel, a mixture, Epsher Lesachna, there's a way to fix it. As we turn the page. Epsher Bechulin, then we taught if you have regular food, it's okay. So, of course, regular food. More said, Besrikabeshabbat. We're talking about on Shabbos. So, of course, what's the issue? The question is regular food that can be tithed for Shabbos. So, tithing is only a rabbinic problem, and this person is sick. So, pshita, tilti rabbanani. So, what's the issue? So, it more explains. We're not just worried about tithing, which is a question of moving something. But my skin, the case is, we're talking about a different kind of rabbinic problem. We're talking about produce that was grown in a... Um, in a, uh, what do you call it, a, uh, a pot. We're talking about he grew it in a pot without a hole, which means that it's only forbidden rabbinically. It's worse to give him a forbidden mixture. It's worse to give him truma. Let's say this is an earlier argument. Um, let, let's just explain for a second. The issue is that mina Torah, you're only obligated to tithe when it grows on the ground. Or with a pot in the hole, or a pot on the ground with a hole in it, which gets its nutrients from the ground. But in a pot that doesn't have a hole in it, 
really minatora, it's not forbidden. But the rabbis forbid it because it's very hard to distinguish whether the pot is a hole or a crack. It's on the ground. And if you use pots, plants that grow in pots, food that grows in pots, if you'll use them without tithing, you'll come to use one that really needs tithing. So that's a rabbinic issue. Uh, and uh, the question is, is it better? what's better in that case to violate the rabbinic issue of Tevel or the rabbinic issue of Truma? Let's say this is an earlier argument. If a person has a snake bite and he's afraid of the venom, he'll get sick. First of all, you can call the doctor even outside the Erev. One of the uh, medical things they would do was cut open a chicken. You're allowed to do that. And they guess they press the inside of the chicken on the wound. It goes in a secretion and they cut crests. You're allowed to cut crests. That was also part of the medicine. You don't even need to tie it. Lazar Shimon says, no, you shouldn't need it until you tithe it. So it sounds like our previous argument. Neighbor Lazar Shimon, he, that's like we're Lazar Shimon and not Rebbe, because Rebbe here said you need to tithe. Um, so, I'm sorry, Rebbe said you don't need to tithe. And we said before that you do got to worry about it. So, maybe by Meiser Yerek, tithing for vegetables through the rabbinic, you don't need to do it. But Meiser Duggan, but where you talk about tithing wheat, and uh, there the, uh, the mixture is Minatora, maybe even Rebbe would, meet, you know, would admit that you're required to do it even for the sick person. Because if you permit it to be used by a pot that doesn't have a hole, which is Rabban, and Asla Mechobat Shunakov, you'll come to eat without tithing in a pot that has a hole. Then Rabban. Okay, so we mentioned before this ravenous sickness that a person needs a, a food right away. So a rabbi's taught that one of the best things to give him is sugar. Uh, give him honey. The cold means something sweet. Person has this particular sickness, which is like low blood sugar. If you give him sugar right away, he'll, it'll bring his, his eyesight back. He'll, he'll come back. Even though there's not a complete proof to that, there's a hint to that in the Torah. We believe all truths have hint in the Torah. And that is when Yonason was fighting a battle and he hadn't eaten all day, um, he dipped his uh, um, uh, sword or whatever in, in a beehive and got some honey. And uh, that revived him. He said, my, my eyes came back a lot. I was famished and I was dying. He couldn't see anymore. He was so exhausted. And he had a little bit of sugar, a little bit of honey, and that helped. So that sounds like a pretty good proof that sugar will really help a person who's famished like that. What do we mean? It's not a proof. That's a proof. The answer is he wasn't sick over there. He was just a soldier who hadn't eaten. He said sugar is good after eating, but first you have to give him bread. If you give it before eating, it won't satisfy. It'll make him hungry. So there was a story where David Amalek's troops uh, found an Egyptian servant in the desert, and the Egyptian hadn't eaten for three days and three nights, and they tried to bring him uh, back to life. So they brought him David no lechem. They gave him bread first, and they gave him water, and then they gave him They gave him something sweet, and sure enough, it worked, and they brought him back. He hadn't eaten for three days and three nights. 
so that's the again we see that first you give him bread and then you give him sugar. He says you give him fat tail with honey. Those two things will are good for him, like a steak and honey. He says like very fine bread and honey. Rav Papa says even barley bedvash is good. Rav Yochanan says he himself one time had this sickness from lack of food. And he saw a fig tree and he went to the east side because he knew from Chazal that where the sun shines, the fruits are the sweetest. And he saved his life. Because he was wise and he knew where to find the sweeter fruits that would help revive him, he managed to overcome that sickness. If you want to really taste a good fig, you should go to the east side where the sun is. Now the Gemara brings two stories. Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi were traveling on the way. Rabbi Yehuda got this disease, got this hunger that he was starving and he was going to become sick. So they had to grab food. They grabbed a shepherd. They had a shepherd there who had some bread and they ate that bread to uh, help, um, help him from becoming famished. So they, he joked uh, with Rabbi Yossi, you took the food of the shepherd. They came to the city and now the opposite happened. Rabbi Yossi himself got famished. So Adri Bill Givitsoya, the people of the city, all ran to bring him food. So I um, took one shepherd, I took some of his food. You took the whole city, brought their food to you. The rabbis avoided taking things from anybody or eating gifts from anybody. Uh, but they were just discussing uh, this particular sickness that sometimes make a person famished to the point where he needs to eat no matter where he gets it from. The Subra Mayor and another story of Yossi, they were traveling. So when people travel, at the Rev Mayor had a custom that if he recognized the name of a person or sometimes a place that was a hint to him from Hashem that something was bad, then he was extra careful. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yossi, they didn't do that particular science. They didn't do that. Kimato, Hudukta, they went to a certain place, Boyushbisa, they were looking for a place to stay. They found one. When they got into the, the host, they said, What's your name? He said, Kidor. So uh, Rabbi Yossi, um, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Meir said to himself, Kidor is a bad name because Adam Rasha, Shinembe Kidor, Tafuchasema. That's a pusik that sounds like Kidor sounds bad. So what happened was they needed to give over their money before Shabbos to, to put it in a safe place. Rabbi Huda, Yossi, Asham they handed over their wallet to the hotel. Rameir, he didn't trust him. He didn't do it. So he put it in this, they had a cemetery in the back. They had a burial grounds and he put it by the grave of the father of the host. So that person's father, the, the one that uh, was buried there, came to his son in a dream Friday night, and he said, Somebody put their wallet on my head. So the mocher, and so the host was telling them, I had this strange dream, that his father came to him and told him, someone put a wallet on my grave. So uh, the, the remayer told him, he said, Oh, a Friday night dream, don't pay attention to. During the week, a person is too busy to let his, his uh, daydream. So he doesn't think about funny things. This on Shabbos, where a person doesn't work, so they think about funny things, 
So that's why you had a funny dream. But re- he realized that his secret was out because he had hid his money by that person's father's grave. Romero went to the grave and he stayed there the whole day to make sure that he could get his wallet safe and sound. And then he went to get it. The next morning when they all were ready to leave, the other rabbis said, give us our wallets. Omelulo said, what wallets? We don't know. They, they, he denied that they gave him their wallets for safe, safekeeping. Rameir said, why weren't you more careful? I knew his name sounded evil. Why didn't you warn us? Because I didn't know for sure. I was just suspicious. I couldn't say for sure. So they decided to figure a strategy out. They went to this person and said, uh, let's have a drink. They brought him into the store and they figured if he drinks, maybe they'll get him to somehow to admit about the wallets. They saw that his, his mustache was dirty and they saw lentil stains on it. They realized what his breakfast was. So meanwhile, they went home to the guy's wife and they told his wife, your husband sent us to pick up our wallet and to prove we're telling the truth, he told us that you served beans for breakfast. And they all got their wallets back. That person then killed his wife. That's what we learned. What was the reason this whole thing that they got him was because they were able to figure out that his, uh, what he ate for breakfast. Now, um, we believe that you should wash my macronum. You wash your hands and you clean yourself off before you bench. Had he done that, this whole thing wouldn't have happened. So that's what it says, that his wife ended up getting killed because he didn't wash my macronim. It's another story of Mayim Rishonim, where a person, there was a Jewish restaurant, that if a Jew came in, they served him kosher, and if a non-Jew came in, they served him treif. And somebody didn't wash, and they served him treif, and it turned out because he didn't wash Mayim Rishonim, he ate Barsa Chazir. So from that time on, the rabbis decided it was a good idea to be careful if there was something suspicious about the name. They reached a, uh, an inn or a place that the name was called Bala. They didn't go in there. Because they said that seems to be hinting to us that it's a wicked person. And that was what they decided. Okay, we'll stop here. Good morning, gentlemen. So here we go. Three lines from the bottom. We got onto this because uh, sometimes we, uh, when people were, we were talking about people who are sick on Yom Kippur, what they need to do how much do they need to eat? To what point are they, are they then okay that they can... Uh, uh, and so we talked about a few different sicknesses. But on that list, it, uh, we mentioned somebody that got bit by a wild dog. Caleb Shota. It literally means an insane dog, a crazy dog. In other words, there are dogs that you can predict and you understand. You know, you kick a dog or whatever, it's going to bite you. That's not a crazy dog, but this is a crazy dog. So how do you define a crazy dog? So there are five things we know how to, how to look at a dog and tell if it's... Uh, and typically, today, we would call it a rabid dog. Number one, pit pasua. Its mouth is open. Veriro notif. And there's, uh, it's drooling. There's all kinds of drooling going on. Veosnov sruchos. And its ears are um, rolled, I guess, or round. Viznova munacha yurechosev. And its tail is in between its thighs. And it's like walking in a strange way, not the way dogs usually walk. And some people say, it looks like it's barking, and no sound comes out. So uh, this particular dog, if a person gets bit by it, he's in danger.
Memai Havi, what causes this problem with this dog? So, Rav Omar Nashim Kishvonius Meshachasbo. It's got a spell on it. The, the women put a spell, the, the witchcraft. So, uh, witchcraft is a word for things that we don't understand. That's, that's sometimes uh, demons and other types of forces. Shmuel says, Ruach Rasho, love. It's got germs. It's something, something happened to this dog. Now, what's the difference? What you want to call it? You want to blame it on the women, uh, the, the, the witches. You want to blame it on the demons. Who is it? What's the difference? The question is, uh, if you kill it, do you, do you have to worry about germs? Do you have to stay far away when you kill it? Do you have to kill it with a bow and arrow? So let's see Rashi. Top Rashi on today's page, page 84a. Um, if it's got what's called Ruach Ra, that means it's contagious. Don't get close and try to kill it with your hands. Not a good idea. Throw a knife or, or an arrow at him, and that's the way you should do it. But if it's... Uh, if it's some, some, some other kind of problem, then you can kill it. Uh, you don't have to. Yeah, but look, the bottom line is you see a dog, you're going to go something like Chumrah. You're, gonna, you're not going to touch it, because maybe. Right. So right. they should both agree to throw the stone or the arrow. Or yeah, today we have a, we're more familiar with the idea of yeah. contagion, you know, that it's, uh, it's really, if you get near it, it uh, you're in trouble. Not a good idea. Tiny yeah. And uh, there's a proof like Shmuel, like you said, that you can kill it from a distance. Kisha Horganos, though, when you ain't Horganos, the Elbedavra had Nizra. You have to do it from a distance, so something that you can throw. Now, what happens if the dog doesn't bite you, but it's chayifbo? It uh, gets, uh, it, it uh, rubs you, rubs you the wrong way, the chayifbo. Rashi mischachibbo, like, um, I, I'm not sure if the, do they have a it, word for it when a dog... It rubs up against you? It, it definitely rubs against you. Do dogs do that? Do they rub against yeah. you? Or the, uh, but if this dog rubs against you, mistaken, uh, you're in danger. This is not a, you know, if this rabbit dog gets that close, so the, um, the nochesle mayas, and if your person gets bit, by, I'm sorry, this, the chayef bow, if you get rubbed by it, mistaken, you're in danger. The nochesle bow, if it bites you, mayas, you'll die. Nochesle bow, mistaken, so if we said it rubs against you, you're in danger, maitakanta, what should you do? So nishuk mani, take off your clothes, the clothes that he rubbed against, and take off. The way I understand it is that if he's rubbing against you, he's then going to bite you. So if you take off the clothes, it'll slow him down a little bit because he then goes to the clothes, and, and that allows you to make your escape. Rav Huda Yeshua says, um, It once happened that a dog um, uh, rubbed against him in the, in the marketplace. Shoka, he threw off his clothes, and he ran away, and he did not get rabid. He, and he said, Thank God I learned the Gemara, so I knew how to escape that one. There is something about that if, you, uh, if a person has a garment and the dog is there. If you throw the garment, I, th- I think the dog will go for the garment. And, and if you can really escape in a few seconds, then you do get, gain a few seconds. Um, so that's the... Uh, we've had that in a few places. We had that just yesterday where we talked about that a certain kind of sickness where a person needs something sweet. And so the question was, how would he know which fruits on the trees are the sweetest? So the area where the sun uh, gets the most sun, those fruits will be the sweetest. Again, that was Chachmat Tifyabala. If you have wisdom, you never know when it will save your life. So it pays to stock up on good advice. So that's, the, that's the expression of the Gemara. Okay, so what happens, though, if a person does 
get it. We said he dies. So Gemara is very a funny. Gemara. Gemara says, "Well, so what do you do? <laughs> what do you mean you do? You die." Now the Gemara says, "No, there's got to be a fix here. Uh, you can't just tell a person they're going to die. So what do you do if a person gets bit by this rapid dog?" So Omer Abayit. So uh, there is a kabbalistic uh, type of uh, not kabbalistic is not the right word. A uh, a um, uh, some kind of spiritual uh, type homeopathic, homeopathic right <laughs> uh, remedy. Um, and we've had these before. This is uh, similar to the cameos. To, to the, 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 there's a certain formula, uh, and you, what you do is the following. We don't really understand how they work too well, uh, but nicey mushka de apa, de dikra. You get a male polecat, venictava leha, and you write on the polecat, on the plonia bar plonisa, a mushka de apa, dikra casino. You write it on the skin of this polecat. And uh, then you, uh, this is like a, a formula, and then you write kanti, 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 coloris, omule, kanti, kanti, coloris, ka, ka, Hashem, tzvakos, amen, sela. This is, again, a certain form of Kabbalistic prayer that uh, we believe as long as a person's alive, there's hope. And so this is a form of prayer to say if a person's afraid that they are going to become, uh, they got bit by this wild dog, and then they uh, uh, take off the clothing, um, that they uh, wrote this on, but uh, the Kivri, and they bury it in the cemetery. Ad for twelve months. I guess they're doing pretty good if they live twelve months after they got bit. Benafki v'niklubatanner, and then they take it out and burn it in the oven. Nivdulakitme and scattered the ashes are parshas drachim. Vahanak trade there. There's a concept. A person is reminded of the day of death uh, that he does tshuva, and these twelve months kishosimayu. Uh, if he drinks water, lo nishti, he should only drink the gofsa de naksha, out of copper vessels. Dilma chazi baboya deshadi veliskin. Maybe otherwise, if he goes to the water, he might see the demon that's, uh, uh, that's there and will be dangerous. Ki hide Abba bar Marsa, because uh, of the story of Abba bar Marsa, who was also called Abba bar Nyumi, Abdullah ima gufsa de dav. His mother uh, made him a gold tube, a gold straw to drink out of. Uh, so, again, these are some kind of folk remedies to a person who has no hope, right? In other words, if he, some people, they, uh, they're told that they got bit by a rabid dog, they might die. So this is um, one of those formulas of, the, again, of writing on the skin of this dead polecat, at a certain Kabbalistic formula with Hashem's name in it, and uh, removing the, that and burning it with one's clothes and putting it in the cemetery, and uh, drinking out of a copper or a gold uh, tube. And uh, hopefully that gives a person hope. Okay, moving on. I believe, like all things, that there are secrets hidden in these Gemaras, but uh, very rarely do you have people that really explain what those secrets are. Um, we have them uh, every now and then. We run into these uh, the demon formulas, so to speak. Well, you know? weird refuas. Yeah, or the unusual refuas. And the fact that the Gemara, so either they actually worked, and uh, if they worked, they would uh, uh, list them, even though we, they didn't understand them. If they worked, they worked, <coughs> and you have to save lives. Or, um, uh, or there, like I said, there, there's a, a certain science to them. There's certain Torah secrets hidden that only certain people know how to uncover what those secrets are. But every now and then you run into these formulas. But Ode Omer Masya. Um, oh, another thing, Rav Masyut, I mean, there is a, a, a different approach which said that, again, that was the best science that they had, and, uh, uh, and you're obligated to use the best medicine that's available to you. you know, do we understand what, 
you know, what we're taking and why it works and how it helps. Not really, but uh, again, you do the best, you, go, you know, you go to the best uh, doctors you can and uh, you hope in Hashem. So another thing, Rabbi Yochanan, he, Rabbi Yochanan once got spadina, that's a sickness, um, and it's a throat sickness. And we've said that uh, a person gets a throat um, uh, sickness, it could become very dangerous. Uh, we, uh, we even said you could break the fast on Yom Kippur if a person gets this throat uh, sickness. It's like strep throat. Without penicillin, it's very dangerous. I mean, people passed away young uh, from, they started off with just a sore throat, infections that don't... Sometimes the strep goes into the body, goes into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rocky, uh, about eight or nine months in. Badina, is that the one? Which yeah. one? Um, Rashi. Koli it's a sickness in the teeth and the gums. Umaskova starts in the mouth, they go and it ends up in the stomach. And let's look into it. It's a dangerous kind of sickness. Okay. So Rabbi Yochanan had this spadina sickness. He went to a certain Matranusa. Famous Matranusa were the wealthy Roman ladies of the time. They had there was there was a whole class. The men were often at war fighting, and the women were called Matranusas. Uh, they were like um uh they their husbands were fighting. They they provided their wives were considered uh, had a lot of money, and uh, often they had uh, uh, access to good medical care. So there was a certain matrinusa Avle milsa chamisha umale shapsa. So she knew the medicine. She knew the art of medicine, and so she made him a medicine uh, for Thursday and Friday. Uh, I'm sorry for Thursday. Umale shapsa came back on Friday. Uh, and uh, on Thursday and Friday, Omer Leib Shabbos Mai. He said, "What am I going to do? Uh, Shabbos, I can't come, can't get this medicine. And what happens if I get sick?" So Omer Leib Low Street, because she said, "Don't worry, you won't need it. You've got two days supply. You'll be okay uh, through Shabbos." So he said to her, "Imetz Micha Mai, but what do I do if I do need? I can't travel here on Shabbos, and uh, this is a very you know fool around with Spadina." So she said, swear to me, you won't give away my magic uh, medicine. This was her, um, she had the copyright of this medicine, and everyone had to come to her to get it made, paid her lots of money. And so he said, she said, swear to me, promise to me that you won't tell anybody, and I'll give you, I'll tell you what to do. Uh-oh, and it's in the Gemara? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's right. It comes a secret. <laughs> So you swear, he swore to the God of Israel, to the God of Israel, I won't tell you. That's what he swore. So uh, Nafik, so he went out on Shabbos and gave the drush of Epircha in front of tens of thousands of people, and he told them what the remedy was. Um, yeah, that's what he said. So the Morris said, now how could he do, now he did that for a very simple reason, that there was life and death, and many people couldn't afford to pay for the medicine. And therefore, it was important that they know how to cure spadina. Uh, it was very contagious. So Umar has a question there. But didn't he swear to the God of Israel? Isn't that a Loma Gilna? He won't tell anybody. So the answer is, he swore to the God of Israel he wouldn't tell. <laughs> it was like he, the words that he said. He said, I swear I won't tell Hashem. I, he told the people. I Hashem. Yeah, you're going to tell that to her. I mean, people are going to say, Jews... Uh, they play around with uh, with their promises. The answer is the Megalemiakara. He explained to her after she told her the remedy. Oh, by the way, you should know the words I used were not binding. And with the Chul Hashem is they're going to say Jews lie. 
So she expl- he explained to her right away, I'm not lying, I never really promised to you. Uh, well, he did. He's going to keep that promise. It's just not the one that she thought it was. That wasn't the one she thought it was. So maybe argument. he didn't violate it. But it looks like a little Geneva stuff going on. Uh, it was, but to save lives. Uh, basically, he was, he was explaining to her that you don't, uh, just because you want to make money, you have no right to put people right. in danger. Uh, it's really one of the... The, the drug companies uh, do that all the time when they know that people really need a medicine and they can charge whatever they want. Uh, they, it doesn't concern them that there'll be people that won't be able to afford it and uh, that's going to, uh, uh, it's going to kill people. That's, that's really the reality of it is that people will die if they charge too much, but that doesn't, that they, they need to make their money. So uh, therefore he told him. So and now, now he's telling us. So Mara wants to know, what is the secret? So, uh, so he said the secret was mesor, you get the water that's made from chametz, uh, uh, fermentation, shemen and uh, oil, shemen zayis, olive oil, umelach and salt. It's very basic paste. Rabbi Amar says so gufe. It's not the water of the yeast; it's the yeast itself and shemen zayis umelach, and it's the oil and the salt. Ravashi said mishka de gadpa, the afsa. You need some goose goose uh, oil in there. He said, I tried all these things, and I, I didn't get any better. Until a certain, is usually a non-Jewish merchant. He brought me an unripe uh, olive. Uh, we've had this before. Olives have a certain pungency to them when they're not ripe. The Kalina Benar, and he roasted it in a fire. And he um, stuck this on his gums. Uh, the he did this and he got better uh, um, what was this uh, what causes spadina okay so again that was another form of remedy the, the gum disease you put use that uh, paste that's made out of the uh, those ingredients he got better what causes this disease um, so this is from eating uh Mechamimi chamimi dechiti. From eating certain kind of hot dough. Uh, if you eat bread that's too hot. I'm not sure if the bread burns the gums. And then that once the gums are burnt, so then they, they won't heal unless they, uh, um, you, keep, you keep the germs away or something. Or, um, but that's what it says, eating bread that's too hot. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with bread that's too hot unless... You know, I have to tell you, Norman Rao, uh-huh. he couldn't eat hot cakes, uh, breads, and all that because it was a problem for his throat. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, like a suffocate. And, and we remember that every time at the kiddish fun. <laughs> <laughs> Norman Rao. <laughs> right. right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, okay. Um, the other problem was the Mishore Kis in the Harsana. When you eat uh, leftover fish, Bad fish is really bad for you. <laughs> it's I like would say the heat does something to the gums. Maybe it makes the gums bleed. But now they're telling me to see the harsana. So it's not necessarily the heat. They, they, a lot of times they, they try, if a person ate sushi, you know, where the fish is raw, that, that also, like, there's something about fish that if it's bad, it's like it's very, uh, causes all kinds of sicknesses. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. Well, my semenaha, uh, uh, how do you know if you have spadina? So how do you tell? If you put something on your uh, on your gums, and the blood flows out from like all the teeth, 
like that. That's that's his finest Medina. Rabbi Yochanan Kiyosh Medina. When Rabbi Yochanan had Medina, Avad Hachib Shabsa Itzi. Even on Shabbos, he did the medicine and got better. Rabbi Yochanan Hey How could he do this? Omer Rabbi Nachman Yitzchak Shadi Medina. Hoyl Maskeva Pavagomenai. The question is, if it's only a teeth thing, so that's no big deal. That's a person. It's 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 a localized thing. So the the answer is it's not localized. It starts off in the gums, but then it starts off in the mouth, but it ends up affecting the whole body. There are certain types of infections that are like that. You not it's not just a localized thing. If it's not taken care of, it could be very dangerous. Who do you hold like Is that only like the opinion of Ramasha ben Karish? There's two. Um, we're going to see that not everybody agreed that you're allowed to violate the Shabbos. You have to know which sicknesses to, that you can violate the Shabbos. So he's, is he going like Ramash Mechirish, which would be unusual to Omer Choshish where He said, if you got a mouth disease, we hold this way, by the way, that mouth, we take mouth injuries very seriously, mouth sicknesses, a problem with teeth. Um, in other words, uh, there are other types of wounds which can wait till after Shabbos, but uh, mouth things are considered uh, uh, important. Here's a little aside that the older people who may have like hip replacements or whatever and these uh, artificial joints in there, whenever they, they they ever need dental work, they almost have to be on antibiotics before that because even dental work, if there's bacteria and stuff in the teeth and they drill and they get blood in there or whatever, it can mess up the, it can get a bacteria in the joints and it goes you know, From off the dental there. work. And then mm. it could really cause a big problem for them. Wow. That's a serious problem. That's from dental work? I think any, anything where, where, you know, where it's transmitted them. anywhere through the blood. Wow. So if mm. they have these, art, these parts, like Mr. Renzel one time, he got a bacteria in his, uh, in his artificial hip, and they couldn't clear it out. Always had to keep taking medicine and mm. medicine. So it's a dangerous thing. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Matil Losam said, you're allowed to take medicine even on Shabbos. So, Omerle, um, uh, so the question was, was he only holding like this one rabbi instead of the other rabbis? Omerle, Shani Omar, Bezu, Volobacheres. He says, I don't agree with everything, Rav Matin, but on this one, uh, there is a consensus so on that you don't play around with it even on Shabbos. It's okay. Lay Messiah, let's bring a proof to Mishok, so you're welcome. So, if a person has a sickness called Yerokim. I think it means he turns green, like a Yerok. He looks green. That's why it's called Yerokim. Like, uh, so, Machinos... Well, yeah, it's a Martian, yeah. He's, he's pale, like he's, or yellow. Like, he could be a yellow. Uh, so, you give him some donkey meat. That'll, that'll fix him. Yeah. If a person was bit by a wild dog, you, you get a cure from the dog's liver. And if a person has a mouth disease, he takes medicine even on Shabbos. That was Ramatu Akharis. So said, they didn't agree. They felt these medicines are not proven that they will help, and you can't violate the Shabbos to use them. So these, which one are they arguing on? What are we excluding these? It implies not everyone, but some of the things they didn't agree with. My love, some. Are they coming to exclude that? No, that they agree that you're allowed to use the medicine for the teeth. So the Morris said, no, maybe they don't like bloodletting for spooky. Everybody said bloodletting was the thing to do. That they agreed with. Then that's also logical. He heard three things from him. Number one, you do bloodletting for spooky even on Shabbos. 
you give him the piece of the dog to get cured. And if a person has a mouth, they said, no, these are not proven that they will work, and therefore we don't violate the halacha, and don't give him dog meat. But which of these? He meant two out of three. The last two. But the first one about the the um, uh, the mouth disease, they agree. So Lamar said, no, it's maybe low atarti duration. Maybe it's the first two he agrees. So it, it got confusing because he, he mentioned three different sicknesses and it sounded like that um, they di- disagreed with him on two out of three and we're not sure which two out of three there was the disagreement. As we turn the page. Toshma. So let's see what we can see from other places. The Tani Rami Bashmul of the uh, we had before, if a pregnant woman smells something, Machilanoso, on Yom Kippur, and she's getting sick, and it, the child's in danger, and she's in danger, so she's allowed to eat on Yom Kippur, until she comes back to herself. And if a person's bit by a wild dog, so again, you're allowed to even give him dog meat. And if a person gets this mouth disease, um, he says uh, you're allowed to uh, make the medicine and, and give it to him on Shabbos. Because he had said that in the name of They said, no, we agree with this one. You're right. We do agree with this. Now, when he said, I agree with you on this, there are certain people that, are, that talk like that. All of a sudden you find out they didn't agree with you on other things. They said, oh, this time it makes sense what you're saying. You know, well, when did you, th- you know, what did I say before, right? But they, they, they have a way of saying that, like this time. Um, so that's the, he said it on this, Ramachi Ben Karras has a point. So what does he mean on this? Ahia, which one? If it has to do with a pregnant woman who's, um, the case over there was, she was um, losing it. She was not feeling well. And so, of course, you, there, there's not what to argue, that you have to try to find a way to help this pregnant woman calm down. So there's no argument there. There's somebody who says that if she says she's got to eat this and she's starting to get sick and it's starting to affect her and her, uh, that you won't, uh, you won't be able to give something to her to try to calm her down. And again, it's Yom Kippur, we are very lenient on fasts for people that are expecting nursing. Like uh, people have to know that in general, the 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 chazal were very cautious about pregnant women. They you know like they, they took it very um, very seriously that not not to put them or the baby in danger. So it's like even though most pregnant women could fast, uh, but they should ask they should ask questions if they don't feel well or the it's not simple uh, that that, uh, uh, that they should take chances. So, uh, but, uh, so, more is saying, nobody argues. A pregnant woman has that, uh, is going nuts because she smelled something and she's turning colors and she needs to eat it. That's not, uh, there's no argument there. So, what is the argument? Maybe on the medicine. So, you see that, that there was, um, uh, he, there's no reason for him to say, I agree about this one, about the pregnant woman. That, of course, everybody agreed. She was sick. That when he said he agreed, he meant even on the tooth medicine, that, that you're allowed to make on Shabbos. So we see that even though Ramashim and Kher said it, and he said some controversial medicines, and again, all medicines are, many medicines are controversial, but on this one, there was agreement. 
Ravashi or Masisa Namidek, and it's not far off. If you look at the wording of our Mishnah, it said, Odom Ramashi Makaris, Lakosh Raviv, if a person has this mouth, that is my tea and low samba, you're allowed to do it. Below, nobody says, no, it doesn't sound like they, mar- they argue. He missed a polygon. If they did argue, Levinus then would lift the grub on the safer. They should have made. They should have said it in a way that implied they argue. Shmamina that you see from here that they didn't argue on this uh, mouth remedy. Okay, so that's the end of this uh, little piece of the of some of these unusual uh, medicines. But it, we do see the idea of being careful with, like we said, the uh, uh, gum disease or mouth disease, that it, sh- it might be serious. And we also see the importance of uh, if a pregnant woman has, uh, we see that those were taken uh, very, and certainly a rabid dog, a person should get medical attention. Right? And th- those things everybody agrees on today. You know, 2,000 years ago, everybody agrees that, all, that those are important. Uh, whether or not we know how to make the formula that they knew how to make and whether it would, it would still work today, that's a different story. Um, it sounds like if you did something to made a paste on the gums, it's probably not a bad idea. It probably does something to, you know, heal the gums. A, a paste that would, you know, would would do something up or there. Or absorb the blood from going into the body. Or something like that. Or right, right. Other stuff out. Yeah. Right, right. The problem is you have to know the consistency. And so the, there's a there's a famous introduction uh, to these Gemaras, which um, uh, says that we've since we don't have enough of the details, that we don't try them at home. You know, we don't try to try to, to replicate them because we don't know exactly how they did them. And then there's also the concept that things have changed. Um, and I, I've mentioned this, in this forum before, there was a, an older rabbi, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky Zetzel, who lived into his 90s, which in those days was unusual, who had lived in pre-war Europe. He was a rabbi in one of these little villages in Lithuania. And then he was a rabbi over here in, uh, in America, and uh, he was, had several examples where people, uh, their bodies had changed. They were just different. Um, he, he was talking about like the Nita laws where the, uh, the women there were very regular. Like they would, you lived on the farm and they would see a certain day of the month and it was like clockwork the next day of the month. And today, it's not so common for somebody to be, you know, have that exact same, you know, certain day of the month here at Cup. Uh, and there are different theories. It's because, well, people travel at high speeds and, and, there, and there's preservatives in the food and, there's a, and they're di- just di- we work at a different pace. And so the bodies, are, but there's no question that, that life is different. You know, it's different. We eat different things. And uh, so uh, therefore you have to, you, we don't say you should try these at home, but there are definitely lessons to be learned. Okay. So then we said, uh, the, you're allowed on Suffolk Nefashos, that pushes off the Shabbos. So, Lamali Sulamaymer, why do we need to say that? That's a well known teaching. We call Suffolk Nefashos, because whenever there's life and death, it pushes off the Shabbos. So, Om Rabbi Huda, Om Rab, last skinny line, Lo Suffolk Shabbos Bilvad, it's not only this one that pushes off the Shabbos, Alafilu Suffolk Shabbos Akheris. What if you know he'll be okay this Shabbos? But, he might not make it next Shabbos. So you're allowed to violate this week if he's got a sickness that could make him, uh, even if it's not an immediate, even if he's not going to die this minute. <laughs> but if it's going to lead to something, you're allowed to violate it also. Hey, uh give an example. The, the doctors say uh, he's got eight days. He's got eight days where he's in danger. And the first day is Shabbos. So I would have said, you know, they give him a prescription and they say, start taking the medicine now. 
So Maudatema, I would have said, you can wait till Sunday. They said he's not going to die for another eight days. Uh, let him wait a day. And not only that, if he's Mechal this Shabbos, to use this medical procedure, it's eight days, so he'll Mechal the next Shabbos. So maybe he should start on Sunday and only have to profane one Shabbos. We don't play around with medicine. We don't look to do those kinds of things. Tanya, we learned also like this, Mechamin Kamin Lechol Shabbos. They were into boiling the water, you know. No, they had to be. <laughs> that, that's the only way they had to sterilize things. So you're allowed to heat up hot water for a sick person on Shabbos. They never say what they did with the water. I don't know if he drinks the water or they, they always, you know, that was like the thing, go boil the water, right? So they boiled the hot water on Shabbos. Bain Lashkosa, whether to drink, Bain Lavrosa, whether to uh, sterilize. Below Shabbos Ubevad, and not only if you need it for this Shabbos, even for Tui Elanesh Shabbos Lacheres. We don't put them, we, ne- we never delay uh, medical things. Shema Yavri, and maybe he'll get better. No, we don't do it for a maybe. We need to right away try to do things to help him get better. Right away, because even if there's a doubt, we push off the Shabbos. And not only this Shabbos, even if it's a different Shabbos. So, what happens? All right, so you need to do a medical procedure. You need to heat up hot water. You need to do whatever. So who should do it? Do you need to get a Shabbos goy? So Allah has the following. You don't get a Shabbos goy for this. Or a kusi. You get a... You get... Yeah, big people. And you don't try to say, do these things, you have the women do them... Um, uh, what happens if the one who tells you they're in danger is a, uh, in other words, before you violate the Shabbos, you wouldn't do it if it's just uh, uh, through women or kusim, uh, meaning that the only reason you think they're in danger was like an old wives' tale. <laughs> there was a certain, uh, it wasn't something that had, uh, that came from a, a knowledge, uh, from a, a, or, it came, or it came from a, uh, the pagans were not considered very intelligent. I mean, somebody that bows down to the, um, you know, something they made and walks around, you know, it just wasn't considered a, an intelligent kind of, you know, the kusim. So if the only way you know the person's in danger is that a kusi or an old wives' tale, so that isn't enough to violate the Shabbos. But, but if you had a medical opinion together with that, then you could, uh, then you could. <laughs> we um uh, we uh we will do um uh, the will clear away rubble on Shabbos uh, um to save a life on Shabbos uh, you don't have to go ask. Let me ask the rabbi if I could do this. Don't ask. You see a kid falls into the water, you better take care of it right away. So, by the way, it's interesting. A high percentage of people that are hurt in water, it's when they're trying to save someone. Because what happens often is that the water is a little stronger than they expect. And that's why the person in the water is in danger. And so somebody that jumps in 
to that water often is in danger themselves. That just so sometimes the first person comes out. I, so many times you hear that kind of story where somebody jumped into. So uh, the, what the Gemara suggests is parish mitsuda male. You throw out a fishnet. That's how they uh, maybe you know that uh, that's uh, you throw out a fishnet and bring them in. I don't know exactly how it works to catch with a fishnet or catch the baby. Throw my life, say, okay. You can use a stick or something like that first, or you can throw something. Right, right, because I, I would have thought just jump in and try to save him. Because Morris says, no, if you do the... That's, a, that's the last choice. That's the last choice, right. But somebody who's quick to do it, you don't have to go ask the rabbi first, even though it's Shabbos. Now, even though you're going to bring some fish in there, too, if you throw out the net, but it's okay. What happens if a child falls into a pit? So you can take a shovel and remove the uh, um, the chulia is, is the the dirt around the pit, like to get help and climb out. And the you know even though that's digging, which is construction, that's a, that's a mitzvah. You don't have to ask you Even though you're you're digging and you're making a step in the ground. Now, the next one is interesting. A child gets locked, in, locked into a closet. He gets locked into somewhere. The, the door is locked. Shovro. You're allowed to break down the door in Shabbos and get him out. We've had kids locked into their rooms on Shabbos. You know, that's a... Uh, uh, that happens. Different question. Different question, yeah. <laughs> that's correct. All right. So I, usually you don't have to break down the door. They, the kids themselves know how to get in there. Ask their brother to open the door. But how is them a So that's uh, if the more careful you well, I mean, are. Obviously, the kid is probably having a panic attack. Yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about. Right, that's right. Vain circle to Meshuvah Basin. Alpha Gav to Kamechabala Mitri Abeshu. Even though you're going to have to break it, um, uh, you're going to have to break the door down, uh, you're still allowed. And we'll talk about that, that panic attack in a minute. Bishifi uh, Now, what about if a, there's a fire? Uh, there's a danger of fire. Um, these are um, so. Uh, that's what's word bishifi. So mekaven, you can either put out a fire or mafsikin. You can make a firewall to prevent the fire from advancing. So even though you're um, uh, you're putting out the fire or you're you're making this firewall, those are all okay. So these are all examples of danger, and every single one of them we said you don't have to ask, uh, you don't have to go running to the rabbi. And the, the more quick you are to uh, be safe, the better. So why do we need so many examples? We get the message, Rishvicha. The more I'll tell you why. yam. If you're going to talk about the sea, Mishum, if by the time you're going to ask a Shaila, Azule, you have very little time. If somebody's floating, a baby's floating, he doesn't know how to swim, or the water's floating away. So with the sea, I would have said, of course, there you need to act quickly without asking Shaila's because every second counts. Alva bore, but if a child fell in the pit, the Kayasim, he ain't going anywhere. What's the rush? Maybe you're not allowed to dig there, so maybe you should ask a shayla, maybe find out is how deep the pit is, so sweet. You know, even there. If you said the pit, it's very scary to be in a pit. But if a person is locked into a room, there's another solution. You could stand on the other side of the door and you could play him a game of, of nuts. 
They used to play nut games, I'm goozy. They, you could play in marbles. In other words, you could talk to the kid and uh, uh, distract him. So I would have said if you can distract him and he'll be chilled until after Shabbos, then uh, you're not allowed to do it. So therefore we say Srika. No, that even though it's possible, so they say in the pit, you know, he's in a dark pit, he's not going to play marbles. You know, it's just not going to, you can't distract him with the, with the nuts. But he's, he's in another room and he got locked in, so it's, it's not a bad place to be. You just have to, you, can, you would have thought that maybe you should try to calm him down uh, apparently, we're concerned, like uh, Rabbi Cohen said, that he's going to have a panic attack. Uh, I think Rashi says, Nenolo Delis, he says, Hatinik Nova. It's like screaming. Right, right. Or so, barking. It actually says the kid is barking. Right. So, uh, so that, that the question, though, was should we try to distract him and see if that works, or do we just we're run to scared. smash open the door uh, to. Uh, when people are scared, apparently, what, what we see is that it, 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 there's a danger to being scared. When a person's in a panic mode, there's a danger to that, and we uh, we try to uh, quickly uh, pay attention to that. Where was that Rashi? Um, okay. I was looking at the, there was a different Rashi Pikuach. What does that mean? Dish Gumbarish, Bekol Whatever is needed, Lanefish Lahafis Whatever we need to remove the danger of death was uh, what we do. Okay. Okay, let's go back to the Gemara. So then we said, masikin. One of the things we do is with a fire, um, you're allowed to either put it out or make a firewall to prevent it from uh, being dangerous. Lamali, what, why do we need to say that? Even if the fire is in a different yard, um, so uh, it's not in your yard, um, it, uh, you're still allowed to take caution. Rashi explains so what, either there's minors or sick people that won't be able to get out. In other words, that's always the fear of... So the thing about that on Shabbos, uh, th- it's really practical. Like if, if you knew that everybody who was, uh, could easily get out and there was no danger to life, you wouldn't be allowed to put out a fire on Shabbos. But there's always a concern that maybe there's a, a person who's not well who can't run out or who won't notice or will have smoke problems or... Um, you know, or maybe the fire will catch on this house, and if it's next to another house, it'll spread. So a person really needs to know, you know, what, um, you know, if it's possible that there's someone in the house who won't be able to get out, then they could put out a fire in Shabbos. Uh, then they, but if every able-bodied adult, they're the only one, it's a bungalow, a two-room bungalow, and there's a fire, and it's just two or three people, and you can get those two or three people out, and it's not near anything else, it's not going to catch any, then you wouldn't violate the Shabbos to put out that fire, necessarily. But it's very rare. Today, that it is, uh, um, you know, the, the fires catch from one building to another, and uh, if there's possible there's someone in the house you don't know of, then we wouldn't uh, take any chances, or that people wouldn't get away. But that's, uh, that's, that's what it means. Amr Reb Yosef, Amr Yehuda, Amr Shmuel, Lo Holchopaku Nefesh, we don't follow the majority. Even the, usually we do follow the majority. When it comes to life and death, even if there's a minority view, we'll follow that minority view to save a life. Hey, Kida, what's the case? If there's a majority are, are, are Jewish and one is non-Jewish, so of course you would even save a, violate the Shabbos for the, and, and one person's in danger, so the majority are Yisrael. But even if it's 50-50, so let's just pause for a second. An idolater, you're not obligated to save their life. The, uh, idolatry in those days included murder. They all used to do human sacrifice. If, uh, 
in South America, they always all the idols they uncover, they always find like uh, young maidens with their hearts sucked out, or warriors that were killed, or that near every idol they always find bones. That's a, that's the real reason that they killed the Indians, that they called them savages, because idolatry was a murderous religion, and they uh, everything went. You know, it was uh, so um, you're not obligated to save the life of a murderer, of people that. Uh, have no morals, and uh, so uh, if it was a idolater uh, who was there, you wouldn't violate the Shabbos to save their life. So the question is, well, what if it's 50-50? So it might be a Jew, so then we would. But even if there's nine kusim and only one Jew, and somebody falls into the water or whatever, uh, so also you can violate the Shabbos, even if it's only one, you know, 10%. So why? Because, well, the Morris says, but there's a different rule. Because it's kavua, sometimes uh, the way you look at it is it might be a Jew, it might not. That's, it's, isn't that a, usually we look at that as enough of a doubt? So Gemara said, even if it went into a different yard where you would normally follow the majority, usually look at the majority, and it's most likely it was one of these idolaters, that when it comes to uh, uh, we don't follow the majority, and we definitely. Uh, save the life. Any, it's not true. If they're in your courtyard uh, and somebody's in danger, since it might be a Jew, but if it's in a different courtyard, we won't do it. So there we see that we don't worry about it in a, in a different courtyard. So the more I say, it's not a difficulty. That's if everybody moved. Uh, everybody moved out. So you have the same possibility that it's a Jew over there. But if only some did, so we would assume the ones that did aren't necessarily Jews. What about if you find a baby that uh, was dropped? There was like a caravan, and they, they were in a rush to leave, and a baby got left over. So the question is, is that a Jewish baby or not? What do you do? So im roiv kusim. If the majority of people that travel there are kusim, the baby is considered a kusi, a non-Jew. Im roiv Yisrael. And if the majority of people that travel there are Jews, Yisrael. Mexal mexal. What do you do if it's fifty or fifty? So then we say you can assume it's a Jew. Vomarav lo shano el chayosa. That's only when it comes to saving his life. Avo liyukso. But as far as uh, as establishing that they're a Jew. Uh, that we we would be stricter on. Let's see Rashi, three lines from the bottom. Loshna diim roiv Yisrael maxine leg Yisrael elachayosa. We assume they're Jewish. That's to to save their life. Avol yuksok kigon im nekevihi shekain matur. Let's say it was a girl, and can a kohen marry her? Lo, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't permit that. Vafiu belechel amekish lasufi. Now there's a different problem. The babies that they tend to leave out were often the ones that were born of uh, immoral relations. And I was a bastard. That was usually the one that would be um, left on the doorstep. So that, that there, there's an intrinsic problem, according to many, to marry uh, a child that might be illegitimate. But that's only true. That's a certain type of child that's left on the doorstep. Uh, here, it's like in the bus station, where somehow the train left and the child is stuck and there's no way to locate the parents. Uh, there's certain signs of, of that. But over here, where, um, uh, now you could convert the child, but conversion of a coin can't marry a convert. Uh, 
That's the, that's the, in other words, normally if you raise a child, you could convert him in case he's not Jewish. But that won't help for a Kohen. A Kohen doesn't marry a convert. And so that's what it means over here. Okay. Good morning, gentlemen. So here we go. Three lines from the bottom. We got onto this because uh, sometimes we, uh, when people were, we were talking about people who are sick on Yom Kippur, what they need to do, uh, how much do they need to eat? To what point are they, are they then okay that they can... Uh, uh, and so we talked about a few different sicknesses. But uh, on that list, it, uh, we mentioned somebody that got bit by a wild dog, Caleb Shota. It literally means an insane dog, a crazy dog. In other words, there are dogs that you can predict and you understand. You know, you kick a dog or whatever, it's going to bite you. But that's not a crazy dog, but this is a crazy dog. So how do you define a crazy dog? So there are five things we know how to, how to look at a dog and tell. If it's, uh, typically today we would call it a rabid dog. Number one, pit pasua. Its mouth is open. Veriro notif. And there's, uh, it's drooling. There's all kinds of drooling going on. Veosnov sruchos. And its ears are um, rolled, I guess, or round. Veznovo munacha yurechosov. And its tail is in between its thighs. Umahalak betside drachim. And it's like walking in a strange way, not the way dogs usually walk. But Yeshom, and some people say, Novach, it looks like it's barking, nishma, and no sound comes out. So, uh, this particular dog, if a person gets bit by it, he's in danger. Memai Havi, what causes this problem with this dog? So, Rav Omar Nashim Kishvonius Meshachasbo. It's got a spell on it. The, the women put a spell, the, the witchcraft. So uh, witchcraft is a word for things that we don't understand. That's, that's sometimes uh, demons and other types of forces. Shmuel says, Ruach Rasho, love, it's got germs. It's something, something happened to this dog. Now, what's the difference? What you want to call it? You want to blame it on the women, uh, the, the, the witches? You want to blame it on the demons? Who is it? What's the difference? The question is, uh, if you kill it, do you, do you have to worry about germs? Do you have to stay far away when you kill it? Do you have to kill it with a bow and arrow? So let's see Rashi. Top Rashi on today's page, page 84a. Um, if it's got what's called Ruach Ra, that means it's contagious. Don't get close and try to kill it with your hands. Not a good idea. So suck and throw a knife or, or an arrow at him, and that's the way you should do it. But if it's, uh, if it's some, some, some other kind of problem, then you can kill it. Uh, you don't have to. Yeah, but look, the bottom line is you see a dog, you're going to go something the chumrah. You're, gonna, you're not going to touch it, because maybe. Right. So right. they should both agree to throw the stone. Or the arrow. Or yeah, today we have a, we're more familiar with the idea of yeah. contagion. You know that it's uh, it's really if you get near it, it uh, you're in trouble. Not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. and it, there's a proof like Shmuel, like you said, that you kill it from a distance. Kisha horganos, though, when you ain't horganos, the elbedaver had nizra. You have to do it from a distance, so something that you can throw. Now, what happens if the dog doesn't bite you, but it's chayifbo? It uh, gets uh, it it uh, rubs you, rubs you the wrong way. The chayifbo. Uh, Rashi Miskakibo, like, um, I, I'm not sure if the, do they have a it, word for it when a dog... It rubs up against you? It, it definitely rubs against you. Do dogs do that? Do they rub yeah. against you? Or the, uh, but if this dog rubs against you, uh, you're in danger. This is not a, you know, if this rabid dog gets that close, so the, um, the Nochisle Mayas, 
And if your person gets bit, by, I'm sorry, this, the chayef bow, if you get rubbed by it, mistaken, you're in danger. The nokes bow, if it bites you, mayas, you'll die. Dokev bow, mistaken. So if we said it rubs against you, you're in danger, mayas, what should you do? So nishuk mani, take off your clothes, the clothes that he rubbed against, and take off. So the way I understand it is that if he's rubbing against you, he's then going to bite you. So if you take off the clothes, it'll slow him down a little bit because he then goes to the clothes and, and that allows you to make your escape. Rabbi Yeshua says, um, it once happened that a dog um, uh, rubbed against him in the, in the marketplace. Shoka, he threw off his clothes and he ran away and he did not get rabid. He, and he said, Thank God I learned the Gemara so I knew how to escape that one. There is something about that if, you, uh, if a person has a garment and the dog is there. If you throw the garment, I, th- I think the dog will go for the garment. And, and if you can really escape in a few seconds, then you do get, gain a few seconds. Um, so that's the... Uh, we've had that in a few places. We had that just yesterday where we talked about that a certain kind of sickness where a person needs something sweet. And so the question was, how would he know which fruits on the trees are the sweetest so the area where the sun uh, gets the most sun, those fruits will be the sweetest. Again, that was Chachmat Tifyabala. If you have wisdom, you never know when it will save your life. So it pays to stock up on good advice. So that's, the, that's the expression of the Gemara. Okay, so what happens, though, if a person does get it? We said he dies. So Gemara is very a funny Gemara. Gemara says, well, so what do you do? <laughs> what do you mean you do? You die. Now the says, no, there's got to be a fix here. Uh, you can't just tell a person they're going to die. So what do you do if a person gets bit by this rapid dog? So Omra bite. So uh, there is a Kabbalistic uh, type of, uh, not Kabbalistic is not the right word, a, uh, a, um, a, some kind of spiritual uh, type. Homeopathic. Homeopathic, right. <laughs> uh, remedy. Um, and we've had these before. This is uh, similar to the cameos, to, to the... The, the, there's a certain formula, uh, and you, what you do is the following. We don't really understand how they work too well, uh, but nicey mushka de apa, the dikra. You get a male polecat, venikta valeha, and you write on the polecat, on the plonia bar plonisa, a mushka de apa, dikra casino, or you write it on the skin of this polecat, and uh, then you, uh, this is like a, a formula, and then you write kanti, 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 coloris, ramule kanti, kanti, coloris. This is, again, a certain form of Kabbalistic prayer that uh, we believe as long as a person's alive, there's hope. And so this is a form of prayer to say if a person's afraid that they are going to become, uh, they got bit by this wild dog, and then they uh, uh, take off the clothing um, that they uh, wrote this on. And they bury it in the cemetery for 12 months. Yes, they're doing pretty good if they live 12 months after they got bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they take it out and burn it in the oven. And scattered the ashes are partially struck. There's a concept of a person is reminded of the day of death, uh, that he does tshuva. And these 12 months, uh, if he drinks water, he should only drink the gosat naksha out of copper vessels. Maybe otherwise, if he goes to the water, he might see the demon that, uh, uh, that's there and it'll be dangerous. Because uh, of the story of Abba Barmarsa, who was also called Abba Barnyumi, his mother uh, made him a gold tube, a gold straw to drink out of. Uh, 
So again, these are some kind of folk remedies to a person who has no hope, right? In other words, if he, some people, they, uh, they're told that they got bit by a rabid dog, they might die. So there, this is um, one of those formulas of the, again, of writing on the skin of this dead polecat at a certain Kabbalistic formula with Hashem's name in it and uh, removing the, that and burning it with one's clothes and putting it in the cemetery and uh, drinking out of a copper or a gold uh, tube. And uh, hopefully that gives a person hope. Okay, moving on. I believe, like all things, that there are secrets hidden in these Gemaras, but uh, very rarely do you have people that really explain what those secrets are. Um, we have them uh, every now and then. We run into these... Uh, the demon formulas, so to speak. Well, you know. the weird refuas. Yeah, or the unusual refuas. And the fact that the Gemara, so either they actually worked, and uh, if they worked, they would uh, uh, list them, even though we, they didn't understand them. If they worked, they worked, <coughs> and you have to save lives. Or, um, uh, although, like I said, there, there's a, a certain science to them. There's certain Torah secrets hidden that only certain people know how to uncover what those secrets are. But every now and then you run into these formulas. But oh, um, oh, another thing, Reb Masyot, I mean, there is a, a, a different approach which said that, again, that was the best science that they had, and, uh, uh, and you're obligated to use the best medicine that's available to you. you know, do we understand what, you know, what we're taking and why it works and how it helps? Not really, but uh, again, you do the best, you go, you know, you go to the best uh, doctors you can, and uh, you hope in Hashem. So another thing, Rabbi Yochanan, he, Rabbi Yochanan once got spadina, that's a sickness, um, and it's a throat sickness. And we've said that uh, a person gets a throat um, uh, sickness, it could become very dangerous. Uh, we, uh, we even said you could break the fast on Yom Kippur if a person gets this throat uh, sickness. It's like strep throat. Without penicillin, it's very dangerous. I mean, people passed away young uh, from, they started off with just a sore throat, infections that don't... Sometimes the strep goes into the body, goes into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. yeah. Rocky, uh, about eight or nine months in. Badina, is that the one? Which yeah. one? Um, Rashi. Kholi It's a sickness in the teeth and the gums. Umaskova pet starts in the mouth. They go and it ends up in the stomach. And let's look into it. It's a dangerous kind of sickness. Okay. So Rabbi Yochanan had this spadina sickness. He went to a certain matrinusa. Famous matrinusa were the wealthy Roman ladies of the time. They had, they were, there was a whole class. The men were often at war fighting, and the women were called matrinusas. Uh, they were like, um, uh, they, their husbands were fighting. They, they provided their wives were considered, uh, had a lot of money. And uh, often they had uh, uh, access to good medical care. So there was a certain matrinusa of milsa chamisha umale shapsa. So she knew the medicine. She knew the art of medicine, and so she made him a medicine uh, for Thursday and Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, for Thursday. Umale shapsa. He came back on Friday, uh, and uh, on Thursday and Friday. Omer Shabbos mai. He said, "What am I going to do? Uh, Shabbos, I can't come. Can't get this medicine. And what happens if I get sick?" So Omer lay low street because she said, don't worry, you won't need it. You've got two days' supply, you'll be okay uh, through Shabbos. So he said to her, but what do I do if I do need? I can't travel here on Shabbos. And uh, this is a very, you know, fool around with Spadina. So Omer lay ishtavi ali de lo maglisa. 
So she said, swear to me you won't give away my magic uh, medicine. This was her, um, she had the copyright of this medicine, and everyone had to come to her to get it made, paid her lots of money. And so he said, uh, she said, swear to me, promise to me that you won't tell anybody, and I'll give you, I'll tell you what to do. Uh-oh, and it's in the Gemara? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's right. <laughs> so you swear, he swore to the God of Israel, to the God of Israel, I won't tell you. That's what he swore. So uh, Nafik, so he went out on Shabbos and gave the drush of Epircha in front of tens of thousands of people and he told them what the remedy was. Um, yeah, that's what he said. So Morris said, now how could he do, now he did that for a very simple reason that there was life and death, and many people couldn't afford to pay for the medicine, and therefore it was important that they know how to cure spadina. Uh, it was very contagious. So Umar has a question, but didn't he swear to the God of Israel? Isn't that a Loma Gilna? He won't tell anybody. So the answer is, he swore to the God of Israel he wouldn't tell. Israel <laughs> It's like he, the words that he said, he said, I swear I won't tell Hashem. I, he told the people. I Hashem. Yeah, you're going to tell that to her. I mean, people are going to say Jews, uh, they play around with, uh, with their promises. The answer is the Megale Mekara. He explained to her after she told her the remedy, oh, by the way, you should know the words I used were not binding. And with the Chul Hashem is they're going to say Jews lie. So she expl- he explained to her right away, I'm not lying. I never really promised to you. Uh, oh, he did. He's going to keep that promise. It's just not the one that she thought it was. That wasn't the one she thought it was. So my Maybe opinion. he didn't violate it. But it looks like a little Geneva job going on. Uh, it was, but to save lives. Uh, basically, he was he was explaining to her that you don't, uh, just because you want to make money, you have no right to put people right. in danger. Uh, it's really one of the, the, the drug companies uh, do that all the time when they know that people really need a medicine and they can charge whatever they want. Uh, they, it doesn't concern them that there'll be people that won't be able to afford it, and uh, that's going to uh, um, is going to kill people. That's that's really the reality of it: is that people will die if they charge too much. But that doesn't that they, they need to make their money. So uh, therefore, he told him. So and now now he's telling us. So Gemara wants to know what is the secret. So uh, So he said the secret was Mesor, You get the water that's made from chametz uh, uh, fermentation. Shemen and uh, oil, shemen zayis, olive oil, umelach, and salt. Very basic paste. Rabbi Amir says, so gufe. It's not the water of the yeast, it's the yeast itself, and shemen zayis, umelach, and it's the oil and the salt. Ravashi said, mishka de gadpa, to afsa. You need some goose, goose uh, oil in there. Amrabai, an abdi lakula. He said, I tried all these things, velo itzi, and I, I didn't get any better. Ad to lehu taya until a certain. Tai is usually a non-Jewish merchant. Ah, I see Kashisa Dezesa, the low Mali Tilsoi. He brought me an unripe uh, olive. Uh, we've had this before. Olives have a certain pungency to them when they're not ripe. The Kalina Benora, and he roasted it in a fire. Imri Chadatav, Idbe Bekevi, and he um, stuck this on his gums. The Kevi Dore, Abdi Hachi, he did this for Itzi, and he got better. Memai Havi, what was this, uh, what causes spadina? Okay, so again, that was another form of remedy. The, the gum disease, you put, use that uh, paste that's made out of the, uh, those ingredients, you got better. What causes this disease? So 
This is from eating mechamimi uh, chamimi dechiti. From eating certain kind of hot dough. Uh, if you eat bread that's too hot. I'm not sure if the bread burns the gums. And then that once the gums are burnt, so then they, they won't heal unless they, uh, um, you, keep, you keep the germs away or something. Or, um, but that's what it says, eating bread that's too hot. Yeah, yeah. Trying to figure out what's wrong with bread that's too hot, unless it's the... You know, I have to tell you, Norman Rao, uh-huh. he couldn't eat hot cake, uh, breads and all that, because it was a problem for his throat. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a suffocate. And, and we remember that every time at the kid is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Norman Rao <Rath> is... <laughs> right. Uh-huh. So, okay. Um, the other problem was the Mishore Kis in the Harsana. When you eat uh, leftover fish... Bad fish is really bad for you. <laughs> it's I like was going to say the heat does something to the gums. Maybe it makes the gums bleed. But now they're telling me to see the harsh enough. So it's not necessarily the heat. They, they, a lot of times they, they try, if a person ate sushi, you know, where the fish is raw, that, that also, like, there's something about fish that if it's bad, it's like it's very, uh, causes all kinds of sicknesses. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of them. Well, my summer. Now, uh, uh, how do you know if you have spadina? So how do you tell? Kadrami midi bikavi. If you put something on your uh, on your gums, v'asti dama, and the blood flows out mi beidori from like all the teeth, like that, that's that's a sign of spadina. Reb Yochanan kiosh spadina. When Reb Yochanan had spadina, avad hachib shabsav itzi. Even on Shabbos, he did the medicine and got better. Reb Yochanan hey beyocha. How could he do this? Om Reb Nachman Yitzchak shadi spadina hoil maska bepavagomenai. Question is, if it's only a teeth thing, so that's no big deal. That's a person. It's 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 a localized thing. So the the answer is, it's not localized. It starts off in the gums, but then it starts off in the mouth, but it ends up affecting the whole body. There are certain types of infections that are like that. You not it's not just a localized thing. If it's not taken care of, it could be very dangerous. Who do you hold like Is that only like the opinion of Ramashib and Kirish? There's two, um, we're going to see that not everybody agreed that you're allowed to violate the Shabbos. You have to know which sicknesses to, that you can violate the Shabbos. So he's, is he going like Ramash Mechirish, which would be unusual to Omer Cheshit Vepa? He said, if you got a mouth disease, we hold this way, by the way, that mouth, we take mouth injuries very seriously, mouth sicknesses, a problem with teeth. Um, in other words, uh, there are other types of wounds which can wait till after Shabbos, but uh, mouth things are considered... Uh, uh, important. Like Here's a, a little aside that the older people who may have like hip replacements or whatever and these uh, artificial joints in there, whenever they, they they ever need dental work, they almost have to be on antibiotics before that because even dental work, if there's bacteria and stuff in the teeth and they drill and they get blood in there or whatever, it can mess up the, it can get a bacteria in the joints and it from the dental work. And then mm. it could really cause a big problem for it. Wow. That's a serious problem. That's from dental work? I think any, anything where, you know, where it's transmitted anywhere through the blood. Wow. So if mm. they have these, art, these parts, like Mr. Renzel one time, he got a bacteria in his, uh, in his artificial hip, and they couldn't clear it out. Always had to keep taking medicine and mm. medicine. So it's a dangerous thing. I see. Okay. So, Matil Losam said, allowed to take medicine even on Shabbos. So, Omerle, um, uh, 
So the question was, was he only holding like this one rabbi instead of the other rabbis? He says, I don't agree with everything, Rav Matzah, but on this one, uh, there is a consensus on that you don't play around with it, even on Shabbos, it's okay. Let's bring a proof to Mishok, so Yerachim. So if a person has the sickness called Yerachim, I think it means he turns green, like a Yerach. He looks green, that's why it's called Yerachim. Like, uh, so, Machinos, well, yeah, it's a Martian, yeah. He's, he's pale, like he's, or yellow, like he could be a yellow. Uh, so you give him some donkey meat, that'll, that'll fix him. Yeah, if a person was bit by a wild dog, you, you get a cure from the dog's liver. And if a person has a mouth disease, he takes medicine on Shabbos. That was Ramatu Akharis. said, they didn't agree. They felt these uh, medicines are not proven that they will help, and you can't violate the Shabbos to use them. So these, which one are they arguing on? What are we excluding these? It implies not everyone, but some of the things they didn't agree with. My love, some. Are they coming to exclude that? No, that they agree that you're allowed to use the medicine for the teeth. So the Morris said, no, maybe they don't like bloodletting for spooky. Everybody said bloodletting was a thing to do. That they agreed with. Then that's also logical. He heard three things from him. Number one, you do bloodletting for spooky even on Shabbos. You give him the piece of the dog to get cured. And if a person has a mouth, they said, no, these are not proven that they will work, and therefore we don't violate the halacha, and don't give him dog meat. But which of these? My lavatarti meant two out of three, the last two. But the first one about the, the, um, uh, the mouth disease, they agree. So the Lamar said, no, it's maybe low atarti duration. Maybe it's the first two he agrees. So it, it got confusing because he, he mentioned three different sicknesses, and it sounded like that um, they di- disagreed with him on two out of three, and we're not sure which two out of three there was the disagreement. As we turn the page. Toshma. So let's see what we can see from other places. The Tani Rami Bashmul of the Ubra Shereka. We had before, if a pregnant woman smells something, Machilan Oso, Anyam Kippur, and she's getting sick, and it, the child's in danger, and she's in danger, so she's allowed to eat on Yom Kippur, until she comes back to herself. And if a person's bit by a wild dog, so again, you're allowed to even give him dog meat. And if a person gets this mouth disease, um, he says uh, you're allowed to uh, make the medicine and, and give it to him on Shabbos. Because he had said that in the name of They said, no, Bazu. We agree with this one. You're right. We do agree with this Reb Mashem Now, when he said, I agree with you on this, there are certain people that, are, that talk like that. All of a sudden, you find out they didn't agree with you on other things. They said, oh, this time it makes sense what you're saying. You know, well, when did you think, you know, what did I say before, right? But they, they, they have a way of saying that, like this time. Um, so that's the, he said it on this, Reb Mashem has a point. So what does he mean on this? Ahia, which one? If it has to do with a pregnant woman who's... Um, the case over there was, she was um, losing it. She was not feeling well. And so, of course, you, there, there's not what to argue, that you have to try to find a way 
to help this pregnant woman calm down. So there's no argument there. It's pshita. Is there somebody who says that if she says she's got to eat this and she's starting to get sick and it's starting to affect her and her uh, that you won't uh, you won't be able to give something to her to try to calm her down? And again, Yom Kippur, we are very lenient on fasts for people that are expecting nursing. Like people have to know that in general, the 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 chazal were very cautious about pregnant women. They you know like they they took it very. Um, very seriously, that not, not to put them or the baby in danger. So it's like, even though most pregnant women could fast, uh, but they should ask they should ask questions if they don't feel well. Or the it's not simple uh, that that, uh, uh, that they should take chances. So, uh, but uh, so more is saying nobody argues. A pregnant woman has that uh, is going nuts because she smelled something and she's turning colors and she needs to eat it. That's not. Uh, there's no argument there. So what is the argument? Maybe on the medicine. Um, so you see that, that there was, um, uh, he, uh, there's no reason for him to say, I agree about this one, about the pregnant woman. That, of course, everybody agreed. She was sick. That, when he said he agreed, he meant even on the tooth medicine, that, that you're allowed to make on Shabbos. So we see that even though Ramashim and Kher said it, and he said some controversial medicines, and again, all medicines are, many medicines are controversial. But on this one, there was agreement. And it's not far off. If you look at the wording of our Mishnah, it said, If a person has this mouth, you're allowed to do it. Nobody says, no, it doesn't sound like they argue. And if they did argue, they should have said it in a way that implied they argue. That you see from here that they didn't argue on this uh, mouth remedy. Okay, so that's the end of this uh, little piece of the of some of these unusual uh, medicines. But it, we do see the idea of being careful with, like we said, the uh, uh, gum disease or mouth disease that it sh- it might be serious. And we also see the importance of uh, if a pregnant woman has. Uh, we see that those were taken. Uh, very and certainly a rabid dog, a person should get medical attention. Right, and th- those things everybody agrees on today. You know, two thousand years ago, everybody agrees that all, that those are important. Uh, whether or not we know how to make the formula that they knew how to make, and whether it would it would still work today, that's a different story. Um, it sounds like if you did something to made a paste on the gums, that's probably not a bad idea. It probably does something to, you know, heal the gums. A, a paste that would. You know, would would do something up or there, or absorb the blood from going into the body, or something like that. Or right, right. Other stuff out. Right, right. The problem is you have to know the consistency, and so there, there's a there's a famous introduction uh, to these gemaras, which um, uh, says that we've since we don't have enough of the details, that we don't try them at home. You know, we don't try to try to to replicate them because we don't know exactly how they did them. And then there's also the concept that things have changed. Um, and I, I've mentioned this, in this forum before, there was a, an older rabbi, Rav Yaakov who lived into his 90s, which in those days was unusual, who had lived in pre-war Europe. He was a rabbi in one of these little villages in Lithuania. And then he was a rabbi over here in, uh, in America. And uh, he was, had several examples where people, uh, their bodies had changed. They were just different. Um, he, he was talking about like the Nita laws where the, uh, the women there were very regular. Like they would, you lived on the farm and they would see a certain day of the month and it was like clockwork the next day of the month. And today 
it's not so common for somebody to be, you know, have that exact same, you know, certain day of the month here it comes. Uh, and there are different theories. It's because well, people travel at high speeds, and and there and there's preservatives in the food, and there's a and they're di- just di- we work at a different pace, and so the bodies. Are, but there's no question that that life is different. You know, it's different. We eat different things, and uh, so uh, therefore you have to. You, we don't say you should try these at home, but there are definitely lessons to be learned. Okay, so then we said. Uh, the you're allowed on Suffolk Nefashos, that pushes off the Shabbos. So, Lamali Sulamaymer, why do we need to say that? That's a well known teaching. We call Suffolk Nefashos, whenever there's life and death, it pushes off the Shabbos. So, Om Rabbi Huda, Om Rab, last skinny line, Lo Suffolk Shabbosu Belvad, it's not only this one that pushes off the Shabbos, Elafilu Suffolk Shabbos Akaris. What if you know he'll be okay this Shabbos? But he might not make it next Shabbos. So you're allowed to violate this week if he's got a sickness that could make him, uh, even if it's not an immediate, even if he's not going to die this minute. <laughs> but if it's going to lead to something, you're allowed to violate it also. Hey, dummy, give an example. He go into Amdalatimniyom. The doctors say uh, he's got eight days. He's got eight days where he's in danger. And the first day is Shabbos. So I would have said, you know, they give him a prescription and they say, start taking the medicine now. So I would have said, you can wait till Sunday. They said he's not going to die for another eight days. Uh, let him wait a day. And not only that, if he's mechal if this Shabbos to use this medical procedure, it's eight days, so he'll mechal the next Shabbos. So maybe he should start on Sunday and only have to profane one Shabbos. We don't play around with medicine. We don't look to do those kinds of things. Tanya, we learned also like this. They were into boiling the water. You know, no, they uh, had to be. That, that's the only way they had to sterilize things. So you're allowed to heat up hot water for a sick person on Shabbos. They never say what they did with the water. I don't know if he drinks the water or they, they always, you know, that was like the thing, go boil the water, right? So they boiled the hot water on Shabbos. Bain Lashkosa, whether to drink, Bain Lavrosa, whether to uh, sterilize. Below Shabbos Ubevad, and not only if you need it for this Shabbos, even for two we el nes Shabbos lecheres. Bein Omer lenamten ad. We don't put them. We ne, we never delay uh, medical things. Shema Yavri, and maybe he'll get better. No, we don't do it for a maybe. We need to right away try to do things to help him get better. El mechamelo right away neishes suffik nefashos because even if there's a doubt, we push off the Shabbos. Below suffik Shabbos zu, and not only this Shabbos el afilu suffik even if it's a different Shabbos. So, what happens? All right, so you need to do a medical procedure. You need to heat up hot water. You need to do whatever. So, who should do it? Do you need to get a Shabbos goy? So, Allah has the following. You don't get a Shabbos goy for this. Or a kusi. You get a... You get a... Yeah, big people. And you don't try to say, do these things, I'll be nushim, you have the women do them. Um, uh, what happens if the one who tells you they're in danger is a, uh, in other words, before you violate the Shabbos, you wouldn't do it if it's just uh, uh, through women or kusim, uh, meaning that the only reason you think they're in danger was like an old wives' tale. <laughs> there was a certain, uh, it wasn't something that had, uh, 
that came from a, a knowledge uh, from a uh, or it came or it came from a uh, the pagans were not considered very intelligent. I mean, somebody that bows down to the um, you know something they made and walks around, you know, it just wasn't considered a, an intelligent kind of, you know, the kusim. So if the only way you know the person's in danger is that a kusi or an old wives' tale, so that isn't enough to violate the Shabbos. But, mitzdarf and ledas but if you had a medical opinion together with that, then you could, uh, then you could. Tanarabban. Mepakim pekuach nevich for Shabbos. We um, uh, we uh, we will do um, uh, the we'll clear away rubble on Shabbos. Uh, um, that's uh, to save a life on Shabbos. For and the more uh, the the stronger a person is to uh, do it quickly and harizah uh, In other words, uh, a person that's uh, quick to take care of medical emergencies that's a big mitzvah. You don't have to go ask. Let me ask the rabbi if I could do this. Don't ask. You see a kid falls into the water, you better take care of it right away. So, by the way, it's interesting. A high percentage of people that are hurt in water, it's when they're trying to save someone. Because what happens often is that the water is a little stronger than they expect. And that's why the person in the water is in danger. And so somebody that jumps in to that water often is in danger themselves. It just, so sometimes the first person comes out, I, so many times you hear that kind of story where somebody jumped into... So uh, the, what the Gemara suggests is, Parish Mitsudo Malay, you throw out a fishnet. That's how they... Uh, maybe, you know, that, uh, that's, uh, you throw out a fishnet and bring them in. I, I don't know exactly how it works to catch with a fishnet or <laughs> catch the baby. <laughs> throw my life, say, okay. You can use a stick or something like that first, or you can... Right, right. Because I, I would have thought just jump in and try to save him. Because Morris says, no, if you do the, that's uh, that's, the only, that's the last choice. That's the last choice, right? But somebody who's quick to do it, you don't have to go ask the rabbi first, even though it's Shabbos. Now, even though you're going to bring some fish in there too, if you throw out the net, but it's okay. What happens if a child falls into a pit? So you can take a shovel and remove the. Uh, um, the chulia is, is the, the dirt around the pit, like to get help and climb out. Umala, harizei meshubach, and you know, even though that's digging, which is construction, that's a, that's a mitzvah. Ain't circle to meshusubei. You don't have to ask basin. Alpha gaf to mistag and darga. You're even though you're you're digging and you're making a step in the ground. Now the next one is interesting. A child gets locked in, locked into a closet. He gets locked into somewhere. The the door is locked. Shovro. You're allowed to break down the door in Shabbos and get him out. We've had kids locked into their rooms on Shabbos. You know, that's a... Uh, uh, that happens. Different question. Different question, yeah. <laughs> that's correct. All right. So I, Usually you don't have to break down the door. They, the kids themselves know how to get in there. Ask their brother to open the door. But how is them a So that's... Uh, if the more careful you well, are... Obviously the kid is probably having a panic yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about. Right, that's right. Vein circle to Meshul Basin. Alpha Gav to Kamechavel and Mitri Abeshu. Even though you're going to have to break it, um, uh, you're going to have to break the door down, uh, you're still allowed. And we'll talk about that, that panic attack in a minute. Beshifi Mechavel, Umasikin. Now, what about if a, there's a fire, uh, there's a danger of fire? Um, these are, um, so. Uh, that's what's word beshifi. 
So mekaven, you can either put out a fire or mafsikin. You can make a firewall to prevent the fire from advancing. So even though you're um, uh, you're putting out the fire or you're you're making this firewall, those are all okay. So these are all examples of danger, and every single one of them we said you don't have to ask, uh, you don't have to go running to the rabbi, and the, the more quick you are to uh, be safe, the better. So why do we need so many examples? We get the message, Rishvicha. The more says, I'll tell you why. If you're going to talk about the sea, if by the time you're going to ask a Shaila, Azule, you have very little time. If somebody's floating, a baby's floating, he doesn't know how to swim, or the water's floating away. So with the sea, I would have said, of course, there you need to act quickly without asking Shaila's because every second counts. Alva bore, but if a child fell in the pit, the Kayasim, he ain't going anywhere. What's the rush? Aim below. Maybe you're not allowed to dig there, so maybe you should ask a Shiloh. Maybe find out is how deep the pit is. So Sricha. You know, even there. If you said the pit, it's very scary to be in a pit. But if a person is locked into a room, there's another solution. You could stand on the other side of the door and you could play him a game of, of nuts. I used to play nut games. I'm goozy. They, you could play in marbles. In other words, you could talk to the kid and uh, uh, distract him. So I would have said if you can distract him and he'll, he'll be chilled until after Shabbos, then uh, you're not allowed to do it. So therefore we say Srika. No, that even though it's possible, so they say in the pit, you know, he's in a dark pit. He's not going to play marbles. You know, it's just not going to, you can't distract him with the, with the nuts. But he's, he's in another room and he got locked in so it's it's not a bad place to be. You just have to. You can. You would have thought that maybe you should try to calm him down. Uh, apparently, we're concerned, like uh, Rabbi Cohen said, that he's going to have a panic attack. Uh, I think Rashi says Nenolo Delis. He says a panic novas. It's like screaming. Right. Right. Or so barking. It actually says the kid is barking. Right. So uh, so that that the question though was should we try to distract him and see if that works or do we just so run to scared. smash open the door uh, to. Uh, when people are scared, apparently what we see is that it, 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 there's a danger to being scared. When a person's in a panic mode, there's a danger to that, and we, uh, we try to uh, quickly uh, pay attention to that. Where was that, Rashi? Um, okay. I was looking at the, there was a different Rashi, Pekuach. What does that mean? Dish Whatever is needed, whatever we need to remove the danger of death was uh, what we do. Okay. okay. Let's go back to the Gemara. So then we said, one, one of the things we do is with a fire, um, you're allowed to either put it out or make a firewall to prevent it from uh, being dangerous. Lamali, why do we need to say that? Even if the fire is in a different yard, um, so uh, it's not in your yard, um, it, uh, you're still allowed to take caution. Rashi explains so what, either there's minors or sick people that won't be able to get out. In other words, that's always the fear of... So the, the thing about that on Shabbos, uh, th- it's really practical. Like if, if you knew that everybody who was, uh, could easily get out and there was no danger to life, you wouldn't be allowed to put out a fire on Shabbos. But there's always a concern 
that maybe there's a, a person who's not well who can't run out or who won't notice or will have smoke problems or, um, you know, or maybe the fire will catch on this house and if it's next to another house, it'll spread. So a person really needs to know, you know, what, um, you know, if it's possible that there's someone in the house who won't be able to get out, then they could put out a fire in Shabbos. Uh, then they, but if every able-bodied adult, they're the only one, it's a bungalow, a two-room bungalow, and there's a fire, and it's just two or three people, and you can get those two or three people out, and it's not near anything else, it's not going to catch any, then you wouldn't violate the Shabbos to put out that fire, necessarily. But it's very rare. Today, that it is, uh, um, you know, the, the fires catch from one building to another, and uh, if there's possible there's someone in the house you don't know of, then we wouldn't uh, take any chances, or that people wouldn't get away. But that's uh, that's that's what it means. Amr Rabbi Yosef, Amr Yehuda, Amr Lo holcha nefesh, acher harov. We don't follow the majority. Even the usually we do follow majority. When it comes to life and death, even if there's a minority view, we'll follow that minority view to save a life. Hey, Kida, what's the case? If there's a majority are are, are Jewish and one is non-Jewish, so of course you would even. Save a, violate the Shabbos for the and, and one person's in danger, so the majority are Yisrael. Ella, but even if it's 50-50, Suffolk Nefashalahot. So let's just pause for a second. An idolater, you're not obligated to save their life. The, uh, idolatry in those days included murder. They all used to do human sacrifice. If, uh, in South America, they always all the idols they uncover, they always find like uh, young maidens with their hearts sucked out, or warriors that were killed, or that, near every idol, they always find bones. That's, a, that's the real reason that they killed the Indians, that they called them savages, because idolatry was a murderous religion, and they, uh, everything went, you know, it was, uh, so um, you're not obligated to save the life of a murderer, of people that uh, have no morals, and uh, so uh, if it was a idolater uh, who was there, you wouldn't violate the Shabbos to Save their life. So the question is, well, what if it's 50-50? So it might be a Jew, so then we would. Ella, palga, palga, Ella, but even if there's nine kusim and only one Jew and somebody falls into the water or whatever, uh, so also you can violate the Shabbos, even if it's only one, per, you know, 10%. Hanami pshita. Why? Because, well, the Morris says, but there's a different rule because it's kavua. Sometimes uh, the way you look at it is it might be a Jew, it might not. That's isn't that a, usually we look at that as enough of a doubt. So Gemara said, "Lo the even if it went into a different yard where you would normally follow the majority, you usually look at the majority, and it's most likely it was one of these idolaters." Kamash that when it comes to sakanas nefasha, we don't follow the majority, and we definitely uh, save the life. Ainy, it's not true. Uh, if they're in your courtyard uh, and somebody's in danger, since it might be a Jew, but if it's in a different courtyard, we won't do it. So there we see that we don't worry about it in a, in a different courtyard. So the more I say, it's not a difficulty. That's if everybody moved. Uh, everybody moved out. So you have the same possibility that it's a Jew over there. But if only some did, so we would assume the ones that did aren't necessarily Jews. What about if you find a baby that uh, was dropped? There was like a caravan, and they, they were in a rush to leave, and a baby got left over. So the question is, is that a Jewish baby or not? What do you do? 
So im roiv kusim, if the majority of people that travel there are kusim, the baby is considered a kusi, a non-Jew. Im roiv Yisrael, and if the majority of people that travel there are Jews, Yisrael. Mexal, mexal. What do you do if it's 50 or 50? So then we say, you could assume it's a Jew. Vomarav lo shano el That's only when it comes to saving his life. Um, avo liyukso. But as far as, uh, as establishing that they're a Jew, uh, that we, we would be stricter on. Let's see Rashi. Three lines from the bottom. Loshna di'im roiv Yisrael, maxin leg Yisrael, elach We assume they're Jewish, that's to, to save their life. Avala yukso kigon im nekevihi, she'kain matirah. Let's say it was a girl, and can a Kohen marry her? Lo, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't permit that. Vafiyu belecha lemeikesh lesufi. Now, there's a different problem. The babies that they tend to leave out were often the ones that were born of uh, immoral relations. And I was a bastard. That was usually the one that would be um, left on the doorstep. So that, that there, there's an intrinsic problem, according to many, to marry uh, a child that might be illegitimate. But that's only true. That's a certain type of child that's left on the doorstep. Uh, here, it's like in the bus station, where somehow... The train left, and the child is stuck, and there's no way to locate the parents. Toli bedikla, toli piska, ramichu. There's certain signs of of that, but over here, where um, uh, now you could convert the child, but conversion a coin can't marry a convert. That's the that's the. In other words, normally, if you raise a child, you could convert him in case he's not Jewish, but that won't help for a kohen. A kohen doesn't marry a convert, and so that's what it means over here. Le yuxolo.